I'm I'm gonna go ahead and just get into it, Warb. So we we'll just I mean we we'll just hit it real laid back. I mean I just want to talk general stuff and we'll just feed into each other and go sure. from there. Nothing, no agenda, no structure, whatever we want to talk about. Nice. Okay. I'm down. All right. So what's up, guys? This is Josh Hilderton with The Untamed. Got a good friend of mine we met a couple of years ago from the hunting public, Aaron Warbritton. I appreciate you coming on, man, and talking to me this evening. Heck yeah, dude. It's good to be on here visiting again. Yeah, we met a couple of years ago when I had to call y'all up and ask if we could sleep on, <laughs> sleep in your yard in our camper for a few days during turkey season. <laughs> That's when uh, Thrash. Yeah. Yeah, Thrash was trying to get a bird for him in West Virginia. Yeah, we were. We were up in northern West Virginia, and we were struggling. And we've seen – we were watching you guys on YouTube just crush them one after another. So I was like, let's just message those guys and see if we can at least go down there and hook up with them. And you were like, yeah, just camp in my yard. <laughs> <laughs> so we did. We had a good time. <laughs> we just blocked the street with the camper. And we did. We pulled that great big RV of thrashes down there and just set her up, boy. By golly, it, work, it worked out, though. Yeah, it did. It worked Got out good. Got into a bunch of birds, too. Yeah, yeah. The uh, so so just fast forwarding a little bit because I don't want to start talking turkey right now. Yeah, because you all are still in the midst of deer hunting. Yeah, we're and, we're coming down the stretch here, but we're we're almost done. Yeah, and your all's deer season, what you all have put out this fall is amazing to me. Thanks, man. Um. Where are y'all at? Sixty-five, sixty-seven tonight. I don't know. I don't know if we got. Yeah, we Ten, probably. I got think tonight's sixty-six. To the actual, the actual deer tour number of videos is in the low sixties right now. I think it's sixty-one or so. But we've had other videos in between those occasionally that pertain to deer deer season that we might not have, you know, titled the deer tour. But yeah. so, in saying that, I mean. I, I know how hard it is for what we've done the last couple of years for what you all are putting out. Explain to me, because it's got you you have to have a well-oiled machine in your all's group to put that much content out. Explain to me how that process works with you all. Well, everybody in our group uh, wears a bunch of different hats, as you know. Um We've got, you know, myself, Zach, Greg, then Ted, and Jake. And this past year, we had one intern. Usually, we have more than one. But this past year, we just had Gooch, who was our, our only intern. Right. And that's our group of, of content producers, if you will. We also have Hayden and Mindy that work with us behind the scenes and keep us all organized. Because, you know, we kind of just run around our hair on fire most of the time. And those two keep us grounded and organized on and Hayden takes care of our merchandise and then Mindy does all of our customer service and sort of manages everything for us um while we're out running around camping and hunting and wherever but we have the we had those six sort of video producers this fall and and everybody knows how to video and how to edit so say for example uh me and Ted go on a trip together and I film him shoot a buck. I'm going to edit all the hunts 
including the, the hunt where he kills that deer. And then maybe the next trip, Jake's filming me and he films me kill a deer, have a good hunt or whatever it is that we decide to put out. Jake's going to edit that content. So, and the reason, reason we do that is so that the person that's actually participating in the hunt and it's filming it is they're the ones that are laying down all that footage. They're going to know they're the ones that are going to know best of where everything goes. And, and they're going to be the most efficient, most editing. efficient editing. Yep. So they're the one, whoever does that also does the post-production stuff, but all of us know how to do that. So we, it just depends on how we rotate it through, but, the way we do it is every single day there's somebody editing. Right. Somebody's editing content and then somebody is hunting somewhere producing content. Because we all want to be in the woods, you know, but this is the way where we can work as a team so that each of us gets, you know, close to equal time in the woods, either filming or hunting, and then also keep content up for the viewers. Because YouTube, you know as well as I do that, you have to continuously, you were talking about running around with your heads on fire. I mean, that that is the the YouTube way, is to yes, just gather is. as much content as you can. Yeah. Um, and you all, I mean, I, I, I still can't believe you put that many videos out this fall, but I mean, I've, I've hunted with you guys, and I know what type of guys you are, and I commend you for that, but what type of mindset are you guys in when you start in the fall? Because, like, I feel like we, we grind, but, like, you guys, to get that much content, I mean, like, you're really grinding. I mean, but how, how the, the, the mindset that you're going in and then the mindset halfway through the season to, like, give yourself that boost and, like, yeah. the mindset you're in right now, Ward. Tell well, me. We're pretty worn down at this I mean, moment. you've been going now mm-hmm. since, what, September elk hunting? Yeah, since September 1, and in fact, some of the guys have been going since before that because they were antelope hunting for a week and a half right before in late August. So, um, yeah, we started September 1 with elk and deer because Zach and Greg and and Jake and Gooch were all in Nebraska and North Dakota while me and Ted were in Wyoming elk hunting. Well, what's your mindset? September 1. What's that? So what's your mindset? What's Aaron? What's At Aaron the thinking? Of the year, we are we're gung ho. We're just we're you know batteries are fully charged. We've been sweating our butts off all summer, and it's time to get after it. So we just blow right into the season. Um, but with deer, because deer's different than turkey season because it's a marathon. You know, you start September one, and hell, you end in the middle of January. Sometimes we hunt clear to February. And it, that's a lot, that's several, you know, what is that? September, October, November, it's five months, December, January, five, five months plus a lot of years. Yeah. Um, so you almost have to pace yourself or we do anyway, when we go into a trip, we'll go, we'll plan it out to be there for five to 10 days or whatever. And then obviously you got travel time before and after that. Then once you get home, you've got to log all the footage you got to finish the editing process, you know, but when we, when we hit the ground running and go on those trips, we're out there and that's our main goal is just to crank out as much content as we can try to get something on the ground. And usually we're only there for a short period of time. So 
we're solely focused on that. Then once we get home, we have time to edit and, and reset because if we just if we just hunted nonstop, like if I went out on September one and did nothing but hunt deer for five months straight, I'd be just you know, I'd be nothing. You'd be I mean, single. I'd be aggr- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be in the ground probably. <laughs> but so what we got to do is, yeah, and I'd be single for sure. There's definitely. There ain't no way in hell she'd put up with that. There's no, no doubt. way. No but, doubt. Um, I, what I'm what I'm saying is we we space it out so that uh, a group of us will be gone for a couple weeks at a time, and then we'll have a chance to go home. Like when I go home to be with my family, I take a bunch of editing work with me, and then while she's at work and the boys are at school, that's when I do my editing. Okay. And then whenever they're off or on the weekends, it's almost like you know your typical hourly job you know, nine to five during the day I'm editing and then the rest of the time I'm spending time with them. So, so that sort of helps us reset in between these trips. So you're telling me that you do stuff other than hunt. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not much. I mean, just edit and then yeah. hang out with them, you know, and we go hunting, uh, me and the boys, we go a little bit. We were out rabbit hunting a well, couple we're not weeks gonna ju- we're, uh, That's that's the subject of mine I want to talk to you about here in just a little bit. Uh, yeah. Is, is kids yeah, and, but, and uh, the recruitment process yeah. of what your thoughts yeah, are. But, um, but the deer hunting stuff, man, we just, uh, it's such a marathon that we kind of space it out so that a group of us is gone and working on for two weeks per se on a project maybe it's a state that we hunt or whatever and then we have time at the end of that usually at least a week to go home and reset and edit and then we recharge our batteries and we go on the next one and it sort of just goes like that all fall um you know but when i'm at home editing with my family there's a good chance like ted and gooch and jake will be on a hunt somewhere and then they'll come home and edit and then, you know, me and Greg will leave and go on one. So we're just always going back and forth. But somebody in that group of six and on in THP is in the woods every day for five months. It's just we keep that rotation going so that we all have time to reset and recharge. With turkeys, though, it's a little different. Turkeys is just a full-on blitz. Now, that game plan that, that you started, uh, was that always in place? of having a couple at home a couple editing couple hunting is that has that always been in place or is that something that you uh implemented after having a couple years of experience on youtube because you had you've had you started in uh 17 correct yeah but we were doing semi-live content for midwest whitetail before that so we were we were learning how to efficiently edit like daily hunts okay prior to or prior to the hunting public being started. So we had a lot of good practice, um, just as editing practice and, and production, you know, experience coming into all this. But it's definitely evolved to the point where it is now with that schedule. You know, the first year we did THP, I think we only traveled to a couple states. Right. We were mainly hunting in Iowa. Yep. And all of us had Iowa tags. So it was a lot different. You know, you'd go out and you'd hunt for an afternoon, and then you'd come home to the house and you'd work on your editing you'd spend half the next day editing then you go back out hunting but when you're on these trips as you know you're camping in a tent 
sometimes you don't you're not able to edit on those trips real fast and you're there for a very short window so you somebody's got to be focused on hunting nonstop if you're going to have success um so they're a little different animal and as we started as we started taking more and more of those out of state trips that was that was sort of the workflow that evolved out of that to the point we're at now to the to your all's work schedule now of, yeah yeah because it if because i think that um even in 17 you all were all hunting more than what you hunt now yeah i think so yep but in your old rotation yep. it's way more efficient because obviously you all have put out put out some kick-ass content this fall and everybody has had success on the team including you uh Thank you, man which was uh Moving Y'all in. need to pat yourselves on the back, Josh. You guys have been crushing. Oh it. yeah, it, it, this is. Uh, I I, <laughs> I appreciate that, War, but uh, this is about you, man. I I, I wanted to talk to you, and uh, <laughs> I've watched. I, I mean, and the crazy thing is, is like I'm talking to you, and we're buddies, but then I love your videos too. You know, yeah. I can't keep up with all of them because I mean, you're dropping like three a week, but. Uh, I watch as many as I can, and Zach and I got to hunt a couple of days in Ohio together this year. Uh, but you're an Iowa hunt. You finally killed a bruiser after a couple of years of being close. Yeah. Uh, the were you and Gooch getting out of the tree to leave for the day? No. Or were you going to? Were, were you moving trees because the wind? Yeah, we. I watched that buck. He he was moving in, out of his bedding area, and he was actually swinging down the point of the ridge. He was going to end up about 60 yards downwind of us in the tree. And I thought it was windy enough that we could climb down without him seeing us. And then once we got down, we could make a quick move around him to just use the ridge, you know, as cover. So we got down he didn't see us and then we bailed off over the ridge and then hooked around him to get the wind right because if we would have stayed in the tree he was going to end up downwind of us he might have ended up in bow range but the odds of me getting a shot were going to be real low because he was probably going to smell us so that's why we were going down getting down and moving on him so your your plan was going to be to move on him on the ground no matter what you weren't going to you weren't were you going to move saddle locations well, potentially, uh, before before he started up that ridge, I was going to get down and just hook around him and try to get tighter to his bedding area. And we were going to take the saddles and everything with us, but it was all just going to depend on the situation. It was like, well, we need to get we need to get in the bedding area with him and try to get, you know, on on the downwind side of it. Yeah. So that's what our plan was. But then about the time we were getting ready to do that, we looked up and the thing was up and he was coming onto the ridge with us. The problem was is that he was swinging to the downwind side and he was going to be on the edge of bow range. So we just screamed out of the tree as quick as we could and moved around on that thing on the ground. Like I didn't really have any – I wasn't expecting to kill him on the ground necessarily in there, but it's that's why we like them saddles is because you can do both. You can – you can adapt and you can hunt, you know, elevated if you need to. And in, in hindsight, I'm glad we were elevated at first light because once I got on the ground, I could not see into that bedding area where we were at. looked like there was a roll there 
There is. And you would yep. have been blocked if yep. you were on the ground. I blo- I, and once we hit the ground, but th- at the same time, it was like that elevated platform, 18 feet or however high we were, that allowed us to look into that bed area and see that thing. But I got about halfway down that tree, and I was watching the buck as I was climbing down. I got about halfway down, and I realized I couldn't see him no more because of the roll on the hill. And by the time I hit the ground, I'm like, Gooch, do you see him? He's like, man, I haven't seen him this whole time since I've been down here. And I'm like, well, I can see him from up there playing his day. But, you know, that afforded us the opportunity to move. It's like, heck, if, he, if we can't see him, he can't see us, and it's windy. So yeah. he ain't going to be able to. He ain't going to be able to discern what the heck we are when we're moving around in these leaves. So we just bailed off the ridge and swung around him. And them loud, crunchy leaves in that wind, and he had no idea. And your cough. Yeah, that was just miserable. <laughs> I was eating cough drops like candy every 30 no. seconds just to keep from bumping the damn thing out. I don't know if you – luckily, the wind was blowing 20 miles an hour, so the thing couldn't hear us, or he might have been half deaf and old. I don't really know, but – I put in a cough drop right before we made the last little track up there to I get know. in position. That is, uh, and you ended up killing the deer. Um, but that is, I think, why, uh, you know, in 18, when we, when we started our YouTube channel, um, your all's aggressive tactics and our aggressive tactics is kind of what got us together because Zach had reached out on one of our YouTube videos where we've yeah. been real aggressive, and you, you all are aggressive hunters, uh, take a lot of chances. Uh, yeah, is that the way that you grew up hunting, or is, or do you, or is it a part of that getting content and having to take a chance because you have to get content? No, I would say, uh, I would say, it is a way that I grew up hunting in some respects. But we sort of did everything when I was a kid. Like, we would go out, we'd sit on five-gallon buckets and hunt that way. I mean, we'd still hunt through the woods. When I was little, my dad would take me hunting because I'd just cry if he left the house without me, you know. <laughs> right. So he'd, he'd drag me along, and then I'd sit in the tree for 10 minutes and get bored. So we would spend a bunch of our time still hunting. And we'd see more deer that way, but we 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 didn't know what we were doing. You know, we would just run them over. Right. We'd, we'd walk up on a deer and it would know we were there and I'd see it for 10 seconds or two seconds before it took off running and we wouldn't get a shot. Um, but, and we did, we did all kinds of stuff when I was a kid. We did deer drives with bows, um, you know, so that, we did, and we sat all day. I, I took vacation um, as I got older and, and one year I think I sat the same stand for like 10 days straight and eventually killed a buck, <laughs> you know, so at this point we've kind of we've done a bunch of these different tactics and they all work it's just interesting as i've gotten older and gotten more experience it's interesting to see how they work in different situations and and kind of picking and choosing what is going to work best that day or kind of you know what your mood's like even or that, sometimes or the area. yeah yeah or the area that you're hunting the deer density i mean all that yeah i mean the pressures i mean yeah you all where y'all lay on public land i mean you you have to factor in people oh yeah yeah um, absolutely so i mean it's uh so your dad he drug he, you all deer hunted turkey hunted did you do everything yep. growing up or squirrels oh, yeah. 
squirrels, rabbits, uh, coon hunting. I mean, ducks, geese, doves. We trapped for a couple years, uh, trapped beavers and otters, um, trapped coyotes a little bit. We coyote hunted. Um, we did all kinds of things, whatever was in season. You know, deer was always sort of the, that was sort of the big thing. Um, but turkeys is what I was real interested in when I was a kid because, and I, I think because it was so challenging for us. You know, people watch our videos now where we're traveling all over the country and we're killing all these turkeys. <laughs> but what they wouldn't don't the, realize... Listeners wouldn't I, think that it was a challenge for you all. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's... When I, when I went turkey hunting for the first time with my old man, I was probably five or six years old, and I remember it faintly. I don't remember what we talked about or nothing. I just remember getting out there, hearing a turkey gobble really, really far off. And he only gobbled a couple times, and then we sat there under a tree and got ate by mosquitoes and eventually went and got some donuts at the gas station, and that was it. He go. only gobbled like a few times. We never saw nothing. But in the, the years after that, as I was growing up, we would go turkey hunting. My dad would constantly tell me, like, son, I've hunted these birds for the last 15 years, and I have never killed one. No kidding. And he had never killed a turkey. He and he didn't even he really looking back at it. I just thought these things were just, you know, like a ghost or a unicorn or something like I thought they were endangered species or something. When I was growing up, I was like, oh, my gosh, I was watching these people kill turkeys on these tapes and these DVDs. And I'm like, how in the hell are they doing that? Because these things are so hard. I was going me, with my me and dad old man can't who, kill one. Yeah, I mean, my dad hasn't killed one since way before I was even born. Like, you know, has, hasn't killed one. And he was telling me story. He used to tell me stories about how, yeah, this one time before you were born, I went with, I went with your uncle and my buddy John, and we got a Jake, and uh, it was just, it was the coolest thing ever. And I was just like, wow, these things must be so hard to kill, you know. And I. Long story short, I started messing with his mouth calls and really diving into turkey hunting more as I got, you know, up to the age of 10 and 11 and 12. And I eventually shot a Jake. I eventually got a turkey, and I called it in because right. my dad didn't know how to call very well. Obviously. And you can imagine, <laughs> he didn't know how to turkey hunt very well at all. So once I realized that I wanted to kill one of these things, I... I kind of just sort of started to figure it out on my own and he was coming along with me and every time I'd ask to go to the woods, he'd take me. But I, that had a lot to do with my, my turkey hunting upbringings because I, for the longest time, I didn't realize that, you know, we just, we just had no idea what the heck we were doing. And I had to, I had to learn, learn it all as I went, you know? Right. And eventually I, cause I actually called in my dad's first bird that he ever killed. I called oh, that's after cool. I killed Yeah, after I killed a couple of Jakes, I think I was thirteen years old and I'd killed my bird that year and I called in a Jake for him to kill and he shot it and I we were packing it back to the house. I didn't even think about it. I said I turned to him, I was like, Dad, is that the first turkey you've ever shot? And he's like, Yes it is. So I could been turkey hunting for eighteen years. <laughs> that sounds like me. I, I, I didn't kill my first uh, long beard. Until the, uh, I got out of the Marine Corps in March, 
of 99, and I killed my first longbeard that spring, a month after I got out of the service. Uh, yeah. So that in 99 was the first longbeard that I'd killed. I, you know, I'd killed a couple of jakes, but, you know, going mm-hmm. – and, you know, you had, it's great that your dad took you out and – and he was a woodsman because it sounds like you all were, you didn't grow up in an outdoor family. You grew up in a, like a wood woodsman family. You know, you all did oh, everything. Yeah. You, know, you did everything and learned everything. Hardcore hunters. Yeah. Um, and they were real successful. My dad, my dad was a was a good deer hunter, and he would take me small game hunting and stuff all the time. But you know, he, he wasn't real big into turkey hunting. He was just taking me turkey hunting because I wanted to go turkey hunting. How so he important? Was how important was it? To, to get out there and small game hunt for where you oh, real for important. where you're at now, real important. Rabbits were a big part of growing up hunting because my uncle had the beagle named Lucky, and we would I would just beg him to take me rabbit hunting and get together and go, and we would go you know seven eight times every winter for several years there, and that was so much fun just hunting rabbits with a beagle because it's so active you know the dog is is actively running rabbits you can hear him barking you can hear him coming your direction so you can get ready you know and you're moving around in position trying to get out ahead of the dog so you can shoot any rabbits that he's running it's just it's very active and it you know it kept my attention as a young kid the whole time and obviously killing a rabbit's a little bit easier especially with the dog than it is to kill a deer or turkey or something like that. So we were able to go out and have success more often doing that. And I could go out there with my friends and my other family members that were my age and have fun. At, at what age did were you allowed to carry a, a shotgun and rabbit hunt? 11. 11 years old, you were, you were hunting. Yeah, now they have youth seasons and stuff where as long as you have a you know an adult mentor, you can go younger. But back then... I was going to the woods when I was five and six years old, but I couldn't take a weapon. Right. They were just taking it along, right. you know. But when I finally turned 11, we were, I got a little Remington 870 20-gauge for my birthday when I turned 11, and that thing was busy all the time. Fired. <laughs> you fired up when you got your first shotgun and put it oh, to work. Oh, man, I was, yeah. I shot that thing all the time. I was always <laughs> after something with it. I can imagine the, uh, yeah. and then, so you started rabbit hunting. You were going in the woods at five or six. You were rabbit hunting, carrying your own shotgun at 11. Mm-hmm. Killed your first bird at 13. I, I killed my first turkey when I was, when I was 11. Yep. But I had went with my dad like three years before that. Okay. And he could not kill one. <laughs> okay. He couldn't kill one. So I was nine and 10 years old. And I was stealing his mouth calls out of the refrigerator and practicing with him on the back porch. He'd come down there at 930 at night and be like, he'd be looking for me because he'd hear me calling and I wouldn't be in my bedroom asleep like I was supposed to. And he'd walk out in the back, I'd be in my underwear in the backyard calling on his, one of his mouth calls. He'd be like, what are you doing? Get your ass inside go to bed. You know, now I'm gonna I'm call your first bird in, Dad. I'm tired of going and not killing anything. I was I was determined <laughs> to try to figure out how the heck to call. I wanted to I wanted to learn, and I I watched him use those mouth calls all the time, and I I practiced and practiced. He eventually got some from uh, you know for me to use on my own. Right. Uh, 
<laughs> so I wasn't just using his old crappy ones that were in the in the fridge. But yeah, I, that when I was eleven, I, I, he helped me call it in too. But I was also calling, and we killed that turkey. And then, uh, then I think the next two birds that I killed, the first gobbler I ever killed was in the fall, and I actually okay. shot him out of a tree stand that that uh, when I was twelve in fall turkey season with that little twenty gauge. Huh? So, that's interesting. Yep. Yeah, I'd been I'd been deer hunting with a bow in my tree stand back on the farm, and I kept seeing turkeys. So I went and I asked Dad to get me a help me get a fall turkey tags, and then I took my twenty gauge back there, and I just sat in my tree stand, and two big old longbeards came in there, and I shot one of them. <laughs> I think you know you wouldn't think that uh, you kill turkeys out of a tree stand. I, I, when I was in high school, maybe junior high. I was deer hunting. I used to carry a, a 223 uh, over and a, a 20 gauge under. Uh, com- oh yeah, combo. Yeah. And I'd killed a uh, I'd killed a Jake when I was I think 14 or 15. I have a tree stand in the fall yep. in the fall turkey season where we used to have camping northern part of the state. Sure. And I think that was only my second. I that was two Jakes I killed in that time span I, I was not a very good turkey hunter either i didn't have the patience um, <laughs> um you it know. takes time we take that for granted now man i do it all the time it's like you you gotta remember where you came from when it comes to this stuff because it was it was so dadgum hard when i was a kid it was just it's still hard really for me difficult. i mean i'm 44 years old and i'm it's still hard for me i'm if i wasn't learning then i'm i'm doing myself an injustice because I, I continuously like to talk to people and, and try to learn things and be a better caller or a better turkey hunter. I think it's real important to, like I, you know, you, it's admirable that your dad drug you out there at five or six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I came from a divorced family at a young age, so I didn't have that. I started getting in the woods at 10 or 11 with my grandfather. Well, yeah. He was not the – he was a deer hunter. They would take the annual deer hunting week, week-long week trip, Thanksgiving week. We sit up at our farm. That was the only week he hunted out of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. a lot, lot of the – was self-taught. Um, but you getting out there and learning so much about everything outdoors, because I think that's so important with our youth today, is – getting them out i mean my son's 12 years old now and he's been like he's he's killed deer when he was six then he went he went for three or four years that he didn't want to shoot a deer um didn't turkey hunt at all he'd go in the woods a couple times and hear him been bear hunting since he was three Mm -hmm. um now he's he's done that every year every you know because he loves the dogs right you know he still has never killed a bear um I don't know how many, you know, he's seen uh, sure. at this point, but he still hadn't killed one. But how important, I mean, for our youth is it to teach our kids to be woodsmen in today's industry and not, because I feel like today's industry, like when I was growing up war, and it sounds like you were the same way when you were growing up, you were just out in the woods, man, running, hunting, trying to catch stuff, kill stuff whatever 
Yep. Any anytime you had a chance, if you wasn't in school or you wasn't punished or in trouble, you was probably trying to kill something or catch something. That's right. Whatever was in season, it was like, you know, that's what we were doing. I mean, that's what it, that's the way it was all all stinking year long. You know, if it was in the middle of summer and there wasn't nothing to hunt, we were going fishing. Right. So, so doing something outside. In, in our industry today, it, I, I always say it's a competitive people competitively hunt sure how 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 do you get it across to the boys that it don't matter how big a deer is it doesn't matter how long the beard is how long the spurs are doesn't matter you know how many inches your elk was How, how do you get that across and then keep their interest because all, all, and even me in the last 25 years, all I heard is you got to kill 150 inch deer and this and that. Uh, sure. And I've told my son is, like I said, 12, we go out to put meat on the table. I mean, that's a big mm-hmm. thing on me is pork on the table, meat on the table. And he's, pro- I'm trying to teach him that he's providing for us. It's a thing sure. that way that yeah. you can provide for your family when you're old enough. You're already providing for us a meal right but you'll be able to do this for yourself so how, what's your approach on that i just like to i like to focus completely on the experience and when i look back at it when i was a kid because whatever my family did with me and my cousins it worked because right. like i've got i've got several cousins first cousins that are all you know within three or four years of me you know, they're, they're all between 29 and, you know, they were born in the mid eighties to the mid nineties in that time frame. Whatever our family did with us, with that group of us, when we were kids worked as far as getting us into hunting, because every single one of us hunts. Dialogues. Yeah. You know, and, and we've got boys and girls, everybody, everybody hunts and we hunt all kinds of different stuff. But <clears throat> I guess where I'm going with this is when we were kids, there wasn't no scoring system that people talked about. There wasn't no deer management that went into things. I mean, there wasn't numbers attached to all these things. It was like, you know, other than it was a 10 point or it was an eight point or it was a 12 point or it was a four and point. Boy, he was this wide or this wide. It was, you know, uh, just all this arbitrary stuff, basically. Like there was white. You would. I, yeah, like I we mean, we they, killed deer when I was growing up, and they say, "Man, it's a hundred and sixty pound deer." Yeah, I mean, I guess there was numbers attached to it back then, but they were different. It was, and, and it wasn't so scientific right. down to the down to the, you know, specific way to score deer, age of deer, whatever it was. Um, I just remember that it was you count the points on them, and then you take them to the house. Or you'd take him to the check station. You'd see whatever somebody else got. Yeah, everybody and be sitting at the check station. Nobody really stations. made a big deal out of it. Out of out of it. I mean, everybody wanted to see a great big buck, but it was almost like that was that was the anomaly. You know, that wasn't necessarily the goal for a lot of the hunters. People were going out, and and maybe they would, maybe a few of them were trying to get a big buck, but their criteria wasn't as strict or specific as it is nowadays 
you know, if they saw what they thought was a big buck, they'd shoot it and they were proud of it or whatever. Right. You know, um, but as, as I got older, you know, then score came into play a little bit and I started watching some videos and I would hear him reference score. And I remember when I was probably 14 years old or so, I asked my uncle, I'm like, what's, what are they talking about when they're talking about inches? Or where are they talking about when they mean like 130 inch deer? He's like, oh, that's what they use to measure their antlers. I'm like, how big is 130 inch deer? And he held up his hands and he's like, I don't know. It's about like this, maybe, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I remember that at the time it was just so foreign to us when we were kids. We didn't, we didn't pay any attention to any of that. And then all of a sudden there was these videos that were out showing that stuff. And I had to learn about it through my uncle. And, it, you know, that was, shoot, 20 years ago. But obviously in that last 20 years, we've went from, you know, scoring deer and measuring deer to aging deer to managing deer to get their, you know, the highest scoring rack and the oldest buck and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of the nature of how it's went. But when I'm taking the boys out, I've, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to reflect the experiences that we had when I was a kid. Because it, and that's exactly what it was about was the experience itself. So like when I went out to try to shoot my first deer, I mean, we were just trying to get a deer within 50 yards to shoot it. And I, I mean, I did, it didn't matter if it was a doe or a buck or what it was. Right. As soon as that first deer got within 50 yards, I mean, I was shaking so daggum bad. My dad had to hold on to me to keep me from falling out of the daggum tree stand. Um, and that was how it was for several years, you know, and we just had a blast out there. And that's why, like we were saying, we were hunting everything. So it was like all of this stuff got our hearts going and, and uh, we enjoyed it. It was so much fun it didn't really matter what it was that we were doing. It was like, whatever we went out, we set out to do that day. We didn't have no distractions or anything. We were just focused on doing that. And I mean, there wasn't your phone blowing up every 10 seconds and you're looking at pictures of what 30 of your buddies shot yesterday or whatever. You didn't have all that. Right. Um, so anyway, I know I'm getting long winded, but no, you're not. Doing, no, that's what I want to, I mean, that's what I want to talk about. Cause I know you, yeah. you're just making a circle to come now, back. That's what we, that's yeah. what we're worried about. We're, when we go to the woods, we're looking at tracks and I'm showing them what a raccoon track looks like and what a squirrel track looks like in the snow and like how old that buck rub is over there. And look at this deer trail going up into these cedars. There's probably deer that are laying down in there right now bedded. We better be quiet because they could take off running, you know, and you see their eyes get real big, like, Oh wow. We're, we need to be quiet. You know, yeah. if we're going to see something in here that it, it just, um, that's all it's about right now is that is all the woodsmanship stuff and, uh, and just the basics of, of hunting and being quiet in the woods and that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's definitely piqued their interest in, and we, and it, we leave it up to them pretty much. It's like, well, do you want to go back to the house? We haven't seen a rabbit for 30 minutes or do you want to stay out here? They're like, no, let's stay out here or yeah, I'm bored. Let's go, you know, fishing or let's go throw the football. It's like, all right, let's see, go, go do that. I agree. If we I, sit for a I while, agree with that a hundred percent. To to let them yeah. dictate their commitment to it. 
Yep. Um, yeah, and they, I mean, they got, you know, short attention span, so it's one thing and on to the next. Um, but they they definitely remember when we go hunting. You know, I right. may come home and we may, we may talk about video games or something else or the dogs for a couple days, and then out of nowhere they'll be like, hey, when are we going squirrel hunting? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe this weekend. And it's they're the best like, okay. thing in the world. Yeah. When 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 they when they start asking you, yeah, when we're gonna go go do this, or wh- when are we gonna go do this, or when can we go shoot our guns or something? Those are the things mm-hmm. that got me excited because I I I took the approach like you that I was. Uh, if Brody wanted to go hunt with me, he was more than welcome, and mm-hmm. I I'd be bowed up like a banny rooster. Every time Brody yeah. was with me, man, because I loved him being out there with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just yeah. proud peacock that he wanted to go hunting with me because that's what I always wanted a son that was going to be my hunting sure. partner. And uh, yeah. No, like, we take a track and deer and yeah. everything. We go out and shoot a deer. I mean, they may not be able to go with me on some of these deer hunts because yeah. you're miles back and just the gaudiest hellhole that you've ever imagined on public land. But if we shoot a deer or something and uh we'll take them out and go tracking it's just something to keep them active you know and keep them learning because when you're a kid you're you're walking through the woods and you see you know a bird that you've never seen before heck you may want to watch that bird and ask 15 questions about it yeah you may not be worried about getting a big buck over the ridge in fact you probably aren't that's right they're just being active sponges yeah and just taking it all in yep that's right and that's honestly, when I'm an adult now, I've sort of reverted back to that. I definitely, for a, for a long time, got locked into, you know, hunting mature deer and trying to kill a certain size buck and then eventually hunting specific deer um, that I sort of devoted my entire seasons to. I did that for a few years, but now I've almost reverted back to just trying to go to all these different new areas and have these new experiences and just... Uh, you know, just try to learn how deer use areas. That's what makes me, that's what's, that's what piques my interest more than anything anymore. It's like even in Iowa, we go, go into a new location down the road from our house where we've never been before. That's what I'm most interested in is trying to figure out how the deer use that particular area and what they're doing right now. So when I I go into the woods, it's like, man, I mean, when you see a fresh track, you get fired up because you're thinking, Where's that deer coming from? Where's it going to? What's it doing today? You know, how old is that rub? Is it two days old? Is it two weeks old? And what does it mean? It's the same sort of stuff that you learn when you're a kid. But now, um, you know, we've we've sort of reverted back to that approach and how we look at things, and it's it's a lot of fun. Well, you're just you're you can put that story together better now. Mm. One because of age. And then two because of experience. Yeah, um, you know there's there's no no value on experience and being in the woods and having woods time. Yeah, that's um, right. So doing that, uh, and I I got off my train of thought here because we we're talking about the kids. Do they rabbit hunt with you yet? Because they're still what are they seven? Graham's about to turn seven. Yeah. Miles is nine. Okay. Do they go out with you? Yeah, Miles does. Um, Graham will for a little bit, 
but he's uh, he's still pretty yeah. active. Yeah, let's put it that way. Like yeah. he, you know, he he went out and he helped us track a doe last year and had a lot of fun doing that in the snow. That was pretty cool. Um, and he wants to go to the woods. He loves looking at frogs and lizards and all kinds of things and collecting rocks and you know he likes being out there. Do they like uh, the dogs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miles will go. Miles won't leave. Like his mother has to drag me and him back <laughs> because we were we were out at the house at dad at the farm rabbit hunting with his because he's got a little gamo air rifle now. All right. Um, that's what I've got him shooting for rabbits. Now, okay. Obviously, it's pretty difficult. Like the rabbit's no gonna doubt. have to stop and think, <laughs> have to work perfect in order for us to kill one. Well, by God, I tell you what, if he kills one, go. he's we, gonna be fired. Oh man, up. it's gonna be something else. <laughs> it is, and he's a dead eye with that thing. I mean, he's he's too small for it. It don't fit him at all. Like the stock's way up under his arm, and he's got to lean over all funky and everything. But um. Man, he had, he can hit a quarter with it at 15, 20 yards. Man, that's awesome. You know, as long as he's got a good rest. But we were rabbit hunting the other day for like three hours. And Susie, my dad's beagle, was running rabbits back and forth. And, and you know, every 10, 15 minutes we'd have a rabbit come by and he just wouldn't stop in an opening for him or whatever. We'd have to move around on it. And, I mean, it was getting dark. And I'm like, Miles, it's about the end of legal shooting time, like, we're going to have to go up to the house. He's like, can you get a flashlight? I'm like, no, we can't do that. That's not legal. Like, we can't do that, and your mother's going to kill me if we stay out here any longer than yeah. this. Because we were out there in this same little thicket for, like, two hours, and he did not want to leave. And as soon as we got home, he was asking when we were going to go the next time. I'm we might so, go this weekend. I don't know. Depends on the weather. I'm so surprised that I, I've never heard – about you hunting with dogs and you coon hunted did you coon hunt like coon hunt just on the ground growing up or did you coon hunt with hounds no hounds red oh. bones oh I, well I never that, had them yeah that, i didn't have any coon dogs myself but my cousins had them my neighbor had them and we went i mean we went pretty regular there are a lot of red lot bones of, out of the midwest arkansas mm, i wouldn't say a lot but in, in I mean, we lived in the middle of nowhere, so there wasn't really a lot of anything other than corn <laughs> <laughs> and trees. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm kind of took back as, as much dog hunting that you you've done growing up, and to this point, you're still hunting with beagles and rabbits. Oh yeah, I love I love rabbit hunting with beagles. It, I love that. I wish I, I don't own a beagle personally, but well, you don't have, you probably don't have time, beagle. but. Yeah, I don't have time. I I wouldn't have time to take care of it. But Dad's got a beagle, and uh, there for a long time I had a Labrador um, retriever, and she would go with us duck hunting. She wasn't a great retriever because I didn't do a great job training her, but she would be a good <laughs> companion. Um, you need one of those. She actually now did now. real well quail hunting. Um, okay. And we used her for that for several years, and we used to quail hunt with my buddy's pointers. My cousin had a Brittany for several years growing up that we hunted with a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I've hunted, I've hunted with dogs a fair bit over yeah, the years. Yeah, it sounds I like, say. I mean, it, it is a, uh, it's a good um, social sport. Yeah, yeah, That's definitely good for kids especially too because it keeps them involved. It, it's active. 
we we make a we make it a point to, you know, our group hunts hunts their families. All all of them come out. Kids, wives. Um, sure. My wife Stacy's the only one that doesn't hunt, and and it doesn't bother me that she doesn't. She just doesn't hunt, and I accept that. That's cool. Um, yeah. But it has been in the, you know, I started bear hunting twenty years ago, and probably been hunting in the, in the group that we have now about eight or 10 years ago. And in that 10 years, um, we've all brought our children out as we've had, yeah. as we've had them. Um, mm -hmm. now some of them don't bring them out till they're, you know, four five, six years old, but I started a little bit early, but all those kids and even the kids, the guys that have joined our group, that are older and have 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Yeah. Those kids now, if they're, if their parents aren't hunting, they come out there, they're, they call us and say, Hey, can we ride with you all tomorrow? Yeah. You know, they're all quote unquote success stories to get them yep. into the outdoors. Well, that's what you said. It's a social aspect. Um, and it's getting out there. It's active. Um, you go out there with your friends and your family, and you're working with the dogs. Like you got all these different things that are going on, and that's that's the biggest key, I think, as far as creating more hunters and creating the hunters that are going to be they're going to stick around for a while, is because you're just stronger with a group of any kind. You know, and that even goes back to deer camp. When I was a kid, we would have, we'd have 15, 20 people at deer camp. And I would honestly, I'd leave the woods way too early on uh, deer hunting just to get back <laughs> to deer camp because there was some good food back there and I wanted to see what was hanging in the tree. That's right. You know, everybody else got. That That's was just as much fun. It was just like awesome. I mean, uh, and that's what's kind of been, I feel like it's been lost in the whitetail hunting side of things is the social aspect of it. It's that deer camp atmosphere. That's, that's why Michigan and Pennsylvania and, uh, Wisconsin. states like Wisconsin. Yep. The orange Armies. They just have such, yep. Orange armies, but that's rich, rich deer hunting tradition. I agree a hundred percent. That's uh, real important. And my son that we we talked about that and it's it's hilarious you brought it up that next year that thanksgiving we have a camp and still have it that i went to when i wasn't allowed to go to deer camp till i was 13 because mm -hmm. the old men are sitting around having drinks playing cards probably talking right. about stuff that shouldn't <laughs> have been listening to but yeah. you know when you when, when you make that first deer camp trip man you're you come oh, back a you come back a different person. You know what I mean? Yeah, you do. You're big time. <laughs> you're grown up. You're grown man now. Yeah, and That's... so <laughs> the the last few years, um, we stayed here at, at at the house and and hunted the property that we owned, Brody and I. Mm hmm. And this year we did well. We didn't do it this year because he had a broke arm. He's had a rough year with injuries. But I've I've told him. I said next year. And I've missed deer camp the last two years up there at that old, maybe the last three years. And I told him, I said, hey, we're, we're going to deer camp next year. And we're staying all five or six days. And we're just going to enjoy it. 
like it, yeah. like, like I we used to do. The cooking, mm-hmm. the camaraderie. Uh, yeah, you go out and hunt. It'd be no different than hunting here, hunting up there, except we're just going to – it's going to be that deer camp atmosphere that I, that's, right. that's so important. Oh, yeah. You know, they learn yeah. – I mean, whether they kill a deer or not, they're they're getting that life experience. Yeah. I mean, I learned so much at deer camp that wasn't about deer hunting. It was – Oh, great. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you talk about all kinds of things. You yeah. get into all kinds of different stuff. And like I said, the the act of going to deer camp in the and the act of participating in deer camp with somebody else is just as much fun as the deer hunting part. Yeah. You know, and that that was what was so important growing up, man. That's with the with that's the... why I like that's why I love what we get to do now every day. It's like when we go on these hunts, we're never by ourselves or we rarely are. Right. We're usually with a group. Yeah, you know, and if the, if you if you guys don't have a group with you, it doesn't take long for people to recognize you and become a group. Yeah, I mean, we stopped in Ohio. We, I mean, we hadn't popped up out of the woods onto the road. We weren't on the road for five minutes, mm-hmm. and yep. three trucks stopped to yep. jump jump out and hug and shake hands with Zach. Yeah, man, awesome. <laughs> you know, and it, and it's great. Because I mean, the guys that jumped out weren't young guys. I mean, they were they were older than us, you know. So when you, I, I think kids, I love that the the approach of getting it, it has worked for us to get kids involved with a with a hunting or outdoor that involves a dog. I'm mm-hmm. a firm believer yep. in it that it works. It's worked for the kids that that we've been around. Um, and I wouldn't be such a believer in it if my son hadn't seen so many bears since he was three years old and he's still yet to want to kill a bear. Right. So he's out yeah. there because he enjoys it. Not He's not out there to kill anything. Yeah. Uh, and we've had success, Warb, in getting adults that have never hunted, never been outdoors, never squirrel hunted anything. We've had success in taking adults bear hunting with hounds. Sure. And – They've turned into going and buying camouflage, going and buying a bow, yeah. you know, going head over heels for it. Man, never knew that, that this was what it was about. Oh, yeah, and, man. And they I mean, jumped the, right into it. When you introduce dogs into it, there's, you're, you've got such a wide variety of people. Like my fiance loves dogs, for instance, but she's not big into hunting. However, when I talked about maybe trying to get a dog to do – to for blood tracking, blood trailing whitetails, you know, wounded deer. Yep. She was interested in potentially doing that and helping me train one and then, you know, going out and working with the dog. And that, it's funny you say that because when Miles and I, I'll go back to our rabbit hunt the other day real quick. Yeah. When we went out, um, dad's dog Susie was up at the house, but she was sleeping and she's kind of old and we got there and I was like, dad, get Susie. And he said, well, just leave her rest for a bit. She'll get up and come down there and join you guys in a little bit. Just go over the hill. She'll smell where you walked, and she'll come down there. And so me and Miles went rabbit hunting without the dog first. And we were stomping brush piles, and I was, you know, I had blood running down my face because I'd been oh, up yeah. in the thorns and everything else <laughs> and just trying to get him one, you know. And we weren't seeing crap. I mean, we'd been out there for 30, 45 minutes. It's, it's tough 
sledding without a dog. Oh, um, absolutely. And he was still, he was, he's pretty hardcore about it. So he was going to stay like, but when the dog got involved, when Susie finally came over the hill and she got in that brush pile and started howling and, and running rabbits around, it was like, you could see a switch flipped with him. Even with me, it, it was like, this is work almost. And this is hard. And then all of a sudden the dog's here. And now it's like, Oh wow. We we're active. We're moving. Yeah. We've got a, you know, she's on one over here and she's now she's coming back around to the South. We got to turn over here. We got to do this. We got to do this. And before you knew it, you know, Miles' eyes were lit up and, you know, he's chattering back and forth with me and it was just uh, a visible change in activity level for him. Yeah. And from that, but that, then we couldn't leave the woods at that point. Yeah, it was like, you, you was getting ready to go stay. get a flashlight and electrical tape. Yeah. The end of his oh, gun. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We'd have been in big, big trouble by the end of it if he'd have got his way. <laughs> So, so in uh, going from that, what? Because that was all a whole spill on recruitment of the youth yeah. and keeping them in, and 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 I want to reiterate that you're teaching the young ones to be woodsmen, not just deer hunters or turkey hunters. I mean, you're out there really educating them. Yeah. Uh, how do you keep them out there? How how right. how how are you, how are you going to hold that retention? And I'm not talking about your boys. Well, you I mean you can you know you can shine a light on that. But how do we keep the people buying licenses? Well, <laughs> you have. This is just my opinion, but I think that you have to show people how to be independent so that they can do this stuff themselves so that they don't necessarily have to rely on other people now with that said we were just talking about the social aspect of hunting but as as you get older you need to be able to to sort of sharpen those skills a bit so that you can start to go out with other people you know with with may without your mentors Maybe you go out by yourself a couple times and challenge yourself to that. Um, but that was a that was always something I watched with uh, some other kids that were hunting during the same time. Some of them would would go and sit in like a big turkey blind or something in a prime spot, and they would kill a bird their first time out when they were eight years old, and they didn't have the same drive that I did when right. I was growing up. But I think about it now, and I'm like, well, they went out one time. They Their mentor did everything for them, and they sat them down, and a turkey came in, and they blasted it. And, it, like, they weren't challenged at that point. But well, the way I was brought up, Dad didn't know nothing about turkey hunting, so we got our butts kicked for years and years and years. So when we finally shot that Jake after being in the woods for years and not having success, it was like, holy cow, we did it. And we learned so much along the way about woodsmanship and all those things in order to be able to do that. So I, I think using the woodsmanship tactics and skills as, as sort of the first priority is what will eventually turn in, you know, more people into lifelong hunters 
sort of so that they can learn to do this stuff themselves so that they can learn how to take somebody out and teach them. You know, we don't, that's, that's the thing. We have so many trinkets and gear items nowadays that can make it easy for folks. Um, and it depends on the area that you're hunting, but you can make it entirely too easy on a new hunter right out of the gate where they don't have to do anything. And that's not what you want. You know, you don't, the mentor doesn't need to be the star here. It needs to be the, the person that you're taking that uh, and you need to let them make mistakes and learn from them and that sort of thing. That's the, that's the biggest, your biggest thing and just show them that it's, it's fun to learn. That's like right. that's, that's the fun part of it in that, and the good part of, of that is that you just, you'll never stop. Your dad, you your, your story about you and your dad turkey hunting, I mean, I can sit here and start laughing about it again for the years that you all hunted and never killed and you thought they were ghosts. And, oh, man. So. It was rough, boy. Brody went hunted two years ago, two seasons ago. Brody hunted with me on the weekends, youth day and on the weekends because school was in. Well, when COVID hit this year, you know, they pretty much called off school and then they didn't start doing virtual school till after turkey season so he yeah we started so we drew we drew a circle around our house a radius of miles and i said we'll hunt we can hunt virginia kentucky and west virginia ohio and after you telling your story about you and your dad hunting it if it takes me that many years to get brody his first bird i'm gonna be pretty upset with myself <laughs> but we hunted Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, and West Virginia. He hunted with me every day except for four days, Ward. And yep. that's that's putting miles on every day. I mean, we hunted, we'd hunt from, now there'd be mornings it rained that we'd get to yeah. sleep in and whatnot, yep. but um, he hunted every day with me, and we had a lot, we had, probably 10 opportunities that he fouled up, you know, mm -hmm. that we'd call yep. him in and, um, and boy, he's aggravated. Oh yeah. I mean, yep. I mean, cried a couple of times. I did too when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, it was a very trying season for him. And I knew at some point he was just going to say, you know what, dad, you know, to heck with this, mm -hmm. you know, it just ain't meant to be for me to, turkey hunt yeah and we hunted and he ended up getting he ended up missing one um but he didn't kill bird ward yeah okay uh the last day of ohio's spring turkey season uh, a raccoon got after him that morning uh while i was hooting and it done like a false charge on him yeah, yeah. And he took off running. His foot got stuck in the root, and he tore his ACL and his meniscus and stuff. So he yep. got decommissioned the last day of turkey season. But I've never imagined that in his head now, Ward, he's like on a mission to learn how to call, do everything turkey hunting. Like he is eat up with it. Mm -hmm. He is just yeah. – he's so hungry to get his first bird now. After right. 
not failing because I don't think he failed. I think we had – it was one of the best and funnest seasons that I've ever hunted. Oh, man, every, everybody does that stuff that you're saying. Yeah. Like, I mean, we mess them up all the time. Yeah. I mean, We've been it, doing this for decades. We'll never be able to hunt that many days together again. Yeah. Unless I hit the lottery or something and he graduates high school and we get to do it. But that stretch right. of days was a great – and I think that stretch of days – one good thing that came out of COVID was him being hooked now. Yeah, you bet. Uh, and he didn't kill anything. You're right. He learned a shit ton. Yeah. And that was the way I was when I was a kid. We didn't kill much. I mean, that that's why, that's another, I mean, we were we were successful rabbit hunting with my uncle's dog. Right. But outside of that, it was, it was pretty tough sledding most of the time. Was that the same thing with deer for you? Or did, were you killing, uh -huh. were you killing big bucks in junior high and high school? Nope, I was not. I yeah, was. I, I wasn't either. I was killing I was stuff. Going to the woods. Yeah, we killed some, but not many. Yeah. I was going to the woods with my old man, and he was bow hunting, and I was sitting between his legs or still hunting, you know, right behind him and watching things. And I watched him mess up so many different opportunities. Um. And then eventually, when I turned 11, I got, I could firearms deer hunt. You know, I could gun hunt. Yeah. And dad was telling me, he's like, this is the year. Like, we're going to get one. Because I'd been, I'd, I'd been with him when he'd killed some deer with a gun. Okay. But not with, a, not with a bow. All right. You know, not any big bucks or anything like yeah. that. Like a, like a small uh, um, four corn doe here and there. I'd go, we'd go on track jobs. Like anytime he'd shoot a deer, he'd come to the house and get us. And then we'd go trail, trail them and help them drag them out and gut them and everything else. And that was awesome. That was just as important as the hunting part. But when I turned 11 and went deer hunting for the first time with a gun, I practiced with it before, went out there, and I killed a deer the first morning. Um, it was a doe. But then I hunted for a buck for the next week and didn't do any good. And... Like I said, up to that point, I'd been with my dad a bunch of times and we didn't have success. You know, it was by that time, it was to be expected. Like, you're probably not going to kill something. You're probably <laughs> going to go hunting and not kill something like it. But you knew if you went enough, you were. And I knew that at a very young age, it was like, well, you know, if I get to go hunting five times in the next week, I might get to kill a deer. But if I only go once, I'm probably not going to. Yeah, that's that's kind of our that's kind of been my motto. Yeah, deer. I I didn't kill a, and I don't. I still don't know what any of my deer that I've killed scored. Uh, some of them, some of my buddies have put tapes on them. Most of the deer I've killed have never been scored, and I could care less what they score. Um, sure. But the first good deer that I killed was the same fall that I got out of service in 99. Um, before that, I'd killed, I'd killed a lot of does. Uh, yeah. And, and a you know, not a bunch. I probably killed a half a dozen scrubs, you know. Mm -hmm. I was more worried about just hunting, you know. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I did a lot on my own before going into the service, but it uh, – it's it's just funny how everything works out when you're when you're out there and you're you're learning for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah. I I I feel like I've went through it uh, a lot of those phases 
as a deer hunter in my life because when I was 18, 19 years old, I mean, I was skipping school to deer hunt because and miss and skipping work and everything else. Like I was getting in trouble a bunch because I was deer hunting too much. And wow. I, that was because I was like, I was like, I got to shoot 140 inch deer with my bow this year. And that's my goal. And I'm going to do that or I ain't going to do nothing else. <laughs> and that was what I, and you know, that built through college. And, uh, when I was in my early twenties, I was taking two weeks vacation in early November and that's what I was doing nonstop hunting. But it got to the point. I remember I was probably 22 and, uh, I rattled, I'd, I'd hunted like eight, nine days straight all day long. And I rattled in a buck and he came in an early first light and was underneath my tree and it was a big buck. And I was sitting there looking at him, measuring his tines and my heart was pounding out of my chest, and I didn't even have my bow in my hand. <laughs> Meltdown. I was, just, I was measuring this thing, and he's snort wheezing under the tree, and he eventually walks off. He gets about 60 yards away, and he turns his head. And I just re and I realized, like, oh, crap, that deer is way freaking bigger than I thought he was because I thought he was 130, low 130s buck, and I was going to shoot a 140s. That's what I wanted. And at that, it, you know, I was pissed because I the deer was walking off, and it's like, that's the one I've been waiting for all year, and I just let the stupid thing walk off because I was, you know, I was too worried about what his G3s measured or his brow tines or whatever. Well, fast forward a week after that, and I've been getting my buck kicked, and a, a different mature buck comes in. He's a little bit smaller than that one. And I finally get an opportunity to shoot this thing, and I shot, and I hit him high in the back straps yeah. and lost him what? at like 30 yards. And I stomped all the way back to the house. I was so freaking mad. I was so stressed out. I was like, <laughs> stressed I, out. <laughs> I was. I've been hunting so hard and trying to kill a certain size deer, and then this thing shows up, and I just totally ruined the opportunity. Because I wasn't focused on the, the the hunt, I was focused on something else entirely. You know, what, I was what, focused on killing a certain size animal or whatever, and that messed with my head. And when I and I put myself through so much stress that I eventually screwed that shot up, didn't get a deer that year. And I'm like, and at that moment when I got back to the house that day, I was like, I ain't doing this no more. I said, I'm going out there and I'm gonna shoot whatever the heck gets me excited. And I ain't going to worry about this or what anybody else thinks. So that was and the experience to, to get you to where you're at today, to get you back to saying, hey, I'm just going to hunt. And, and you know, if it's a big buck, hey, great. If it's yep. if, if it's a, an eight point and I busted my ass and I crawled through a swamp for him. Yep. Then That's he's, right. Then he's going to be mine that day. Yep. If it all yep, works out. Day. Yeah, I mean, and that's not to say like that I don't pass up bucks anymore. That's right, certainly. Right. But um, this year was a good example. Um, the uh, the buck I killed with my gun in Iowa, me and Greg, we'd hunted for a day and a half or so, and just ran into gobs of hunters. There was, I mean, my gun buck in Iowa. There were so many people out and. Just had busted setup after busted setup after busted setup with just so many people in the woods. 
and I finally found a buck out in the middle of this big marsh. And all I saw was his rack turn out there one time in the sun. And I could tell it was a pretty nice buck. And I decided at that moment, like, I'm going to stay with this thing all day until I get a shot at him or until somebody pushes him out of here. I had no idea how big the deer was. Like, I just knew it was a, it was a pretty nice buck because I saw him out there. And at that moment I decided like, I'm going to shoot that thing if I get a chance and I'm going to stay with him all day. And me and Greg hunted that, that area the rest of the day and watched hunters push everything else around that whole bowl. Um, and never touched that deer down there in that bottom. I mean, one guy walked by him, you know, hollering, trying to get deer up at 75 yards and the deer didn't get up. And then at last light, I ended up killing him. He came right out of there at last light, following a few does and shot him. But I mean, he ain't a, I don't know what he's a three year old, 120 inch buck, maybe. But none of that stuff was going through my mind all day. It was just like, how do I, how am I going to kill this thing? Yeah. You know, and having those hunts like that um, now has just made your hunting so much more enjoyable. Well, that, 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 that hunt is probably a hunt that you and Greg are going to share and talk about and tell around, oh, yeah. and tell around the campfire. Yeah, you bet. Those are the important ones. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the, and the, I, don't get me wrong, I love shooting big monster oh, bucks. Those things are Hell awesome. yes. I mean, they get the heart, they get your heart racing. But yeah, like you said, I mean... If you've been busting your butt and you're trying to trying to kill a deer and then you finally get one, it's like nothing else. I mean, because you're you're invested in the hunt at that point, you're invested in the whole process. That um, that lesson, you know, I used to when I was hunting, you you know, skip work and skip school. I would quit work on October first. I did it ninety nine two thousand two thousand one first three years i got a service i'd quit october 1st and i'd ask them for a layoff slip and they'd, if they tell me no i'd just go ahead and leave i wasn't gonna hunt the next i wasn't working the next three months yeah and i hunt about every day and i hunted after big bucks and i and I've, I've killed a few big bucks but then i've never hunted a specific buck and i'm gonna make this story short Warp, so you can i'm gonna let you off here but this year i got stuck on a specific deer mm-hmm. you know yeah, and, I've done uh, that too. And it's an I interesting it, challenge. I, I and, and, and well, and it what I found out was is it's the the first week that I was going after him, like I was pumped. And yeah. I hunted this deer for five weeks of West Virginia's early or the first five weeks of season, and hunted quite a bit. Um, and what I found out once he got killed by another hunter was one, 65% or 70% of the time that I was in there hunting, I wasn't even in the game. He was he was not in the area where I hunted. Yeah, um, that happens a lot. And then the other time, I, mean, I had that deer within half a dozen, 10 times to me within 60 yards of me because I'd get him on one of my trail cameras Yeah, the days I was hunting. But... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I quit hunting that deer around November 1st because I told Kirk, because this is, this is the give and take of having to get gather content. Yeah. Um, I told Kirk I was going to hunt him until November 1st, then after that I start hunting, and then I, I hunted November 1st for that deer, and then November 2nd I went to ground hunting. 
spot and stalk, and I killed a buck. Yeah. And had a flipping blast. I stayed on that deer yeah. for about four and a half, five hours, and I told myself that I'm I will never get away from my opportunist mentality. Yeah. From now on, I, I'm going to go out and, and hunt to have fun, and whether I kill a hundred inch deer or a 160-inch deer, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hunt for that experience that day. Sure. And it, it, to each their own. Everybody likes doing Absolutely. it a little bit different. Um, I got no problem with anybody that wants to do it like that. Uh, I did it like that for a few years, but I ran into kind of the same deal. I mean, we killed, we killed a couple of, of big ones doing that on public land back in the Midwest Whitetail days where we were after just, you know, a specific deer here specific deer there and it was interesting and we learned a lot um throughout that whole process but like i was telling you earlier what i enjoy more than anything is just learning how these things use the property and like once i once i've hunted that property a handful of times i want to (laughs) move i want to i want to like change gears and just move to go somewhere else like if i'm hunting in the hills seven or eight times then i eventually kind of get burned out with it and i want to go to the swamp yeah. or i want to go to the river bottom or something like that just to see what the deer are doing there and how they're using that area differently than the place that i'm using that i'm hunting now or how they're using it the same um that's what i that's what i like doing is just creeping into those areas and trying to figure out what the deer are doing today that gets me more excited than anything anymore. Well, <clears throat> but I totally hear where you're coming from. I've been there. Yeah, I mean, you've done a damn good job at educating yourself, and it and it shows. Uh, your experience shows in your videos. Uh, Thanks, man. It really does. Um, the, I mean, I could sit here and talk to you forever, but I'm not going to. But you got turkey <laughs> season coming up, so you're getting rest right now. I know some of y'all are still hunting, but turkey season coming up, when's it kick off? I, I don't know exactly when we're going to go. We might we might go to Mississippi or Florida real early, along about the 7th through the 13th of March. But I know we're going to be hunting on the 20th of March for sure, or the 21st, I think. That's that's sort of our hard kickoff date is the 21st, but we may a couple of us may get out the week prior to that too in one of those early well, states. Well, hopefully, hopefully with uh, – COVID not being at the forefront, not we'll get to share a camp maybe this spring and yeah, man. get after some long beards. Sounds like a plan. So the end, the, the end of your podcast, we're going to just let some people know stuff about Aaron Ward Britton. So I got a few questions <laughs> to ask, and you don't need to think about them. Just give me the answers. <laughs> What's Go your favorite ahead. animal to hunt? Oh, man, elk. Elk, favorite food. Oh, do do do! Oh man, that's so hard. There's so many good food. There's so many good options. Had steak and lobster the other night. That's probably the top of the list right now. I hear it's the top <laughs> of my list. Favorite color? <laughs> What's your favorite color? Green. What you do? You have a dream vehicle? A dream vehicle. A old Scottsdale Chevrolet. There you go. Regular cab truck, late 80s. Fresh water or salt water? 
Oh, whatever's in season, boy. As long as it ain't too cold. What's on your pizza when you order? Um, usually pepperoni and sausage, but I like to throw a little pineapple in there every once in a while. I like your style. I hear <laughs> you. Y'all having pets? Yep. We what? got we got two dogs and a lizard named Oscar. <laughs> lizard. <laughs> <laughs> you cook? Are you the cook or the cleaner or both? I'd usually try to avoid either one of those things until I get in the doghouse and need to dig my way out. There you go. That's a good answer. <laughs> I cook I cook a fair bit of wild game, but yeah. I hear you. Sweatshirt or flannel on a cool day? I wear a little of both. Flannel probably. All right. Last question. What's your bucket list hunt, Aaron? It's always elk. So you you you're you're dead set on elk. I'm I'm dead set on elk. Man, I've elk awesome. hunted a handful of times, but like if I had a choice to go and do anything that I wanted tomorrow, like if I could pick any hunt, that's where I'd go. I'd go hunt elk in the rut, probably in Arizona. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, I appreciate it. All our listeners, all our hounds guys, I know that most of you all probably follow THP already, the hunting public. If you don't, go check them out on YouTube, check them out at Instagram, and on Facebook, the hunting public. Aaron, I appreciate you coming on, dude. No problem, brother. I'll talk at you soon. All right, man.